Amen and amen. The trouble is that way. It just comes upon us. We don't know why. Sometimes it's just there. Why do we have troubles? Well, thank you, Adam. Thank you, Eve. <laughs> we live in a sin-cursed world. That's, what, that's why we have troubles. Yeah, we don't live in the wet, nasty, or we live in the sweet by and by yet, but we do live in the nasty now and now. That's just the way life is. You know what? David was writing this psalm, Psalm 34, when he was running from King Saul. And we'll talk more about that as well. And so he thought, well, if I go to the Philistines, maybe they'll receive me. But then he goes to the Philistines, one of the leaders of the Philistines, and he says to himself, why would they receive me? I've been killing these guys all the time. And so basically David is a man without a country. David is a man just by himself. He's left his wife behind. And uh, later on, he's going to have all these families coming that he's responsible for that are running from King Saul. David says, I have troubles. I don't know where to go. I can't go back to my own home because Saul will kill me there. If I go to the Philistines, I'll get killed there. Where can I go, God? So David has troubles, and that's why he writes this psalm. And the reason why we have troubles, yes, it is a fallen world. It is the nasty now and now, so to speak. When I look at the fall, I think of it this way. It's a shame, blame, and pain game. Shame, blame, pain game. The way the world looks at troubles that come upon them, they don't seek the Lord. They're running after what I call the human trinity, me, myself, and I. I will work out my own troubles, and I'll, I'll take care of my own self. I don't need you, God. And that's just the way life is with the unbelieving world. And that's the way it was with Adam and Eve, too. Shamed to be before the Lord God, the Lord their God. And then they blamed each other. It's the woman you gave me, God. <laughs> Imagine that. Not blaming just a woman, but blaming God for his troubles. And then Eve, why did you sin? Oh, the devil made me do it. <laughs> so all kinds of blame. And then pain. Pain in family life. In pain, Eve, you're going to bring children into the world, and then the husband, the, the, the father, jumps on the bandwagon, and uh, it's pain in bringing children not into the world, but through the world in pain. And all you have to do is look at the next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, and you see the pain in family life. How would you like to wake up some morning 
and come to the understanding that your oldest son has murdered his brother. That's family pain. They named Cain. Cain's the acquired one. Cain's Cain's the gifted one. And then when they had Abel, you know what they called Abel? Worthless. How does it go through life with that name? Worthless. Abel. But we know what happened to Abel, the worthless one. He's in heaven. And Cain belongs to the evil one. What a sad picture that is. Pain in, in family life. I know nobody here has had pain like that, I hope. You don't have to go through that kind of pain. In family life. But there's good times in family life too, as well. Well, isn't there? All all kinds of family. Good times in family life as well. But then marriage. Your desire will be for your husband to love you, but he thinks he has to be king of his castle and rule over you. To make it even worse, you end, you end up being the king of the castle woman and his little milk toast guy family in the family, and he, he, he doesn't know what's going on either. And so all kinds of pain in marriage we find as well in the fallen world. And what we're saying here, this is not just for the unbelieving world, this is for the believing world as well. We all struggle with family pain, marriage pain, and then work pain. All the days of your life, Adam, you're going to sweat by the sweat of your brow, you're going to work. No retirement. <laughs> just work, 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 work. Until the day you die. And then you have thorns and thistles of, of work relationships. People that you work with, your co-workers, can't get along with them. Oh, I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll get to another job. And then you find the same kind of co-workers there that you left. Thorns and thistles of work problems. Oh, I got this problem. I got to work out and I got this problem. And then there's another problem that comes after that. Oftentimes, all that time. So work problems and then facing death. The problem of death. We know that when those pass on that know the Lord, we know where they they are. They're in heaven with the Lord, and we're going to see them someday as believers. But those who do not know the Lord, know God, know hope, they don't know. When they breathe their last breath, they don't know. Shame, blame, pain, gain. That brings on problems in our life, troubles in our life. Sometimes the problems come because of the bad choices we make for ourselves. Well, I think of Samson as a great example. He couldn't stay away from Delilah, and he made her rich while his eyes were gouged out. And he became a slave to the Philistines, grinding their grain, the same grain that he burned down because of revenge. If you know the, the study of the, of the book of, or the, the character of Samson in the Bible. So trouble comes upon us when we make bad choices ourselves. 
And then trouble comes upon us when others make bad choices and we're involved in it. It affects us. Whether we want to or not, it affects us. And that's exactly what's happened here with Dave, David. Why is he a refugee? Because he was a great warrior in, King's, in King Saul's army. And he'd come back to battle and the women would come out and say, be singing. Oh, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has tens of thousands. And Saul said, I can't have it. And so he became jealous of David. And then he also realized that his son Jonathan was on board with David in a cover relationship. And he couldn't handle that. And Saul tried to kill David twice. And even tried to kill his own son. Because of Saul's problems. And because of Saul's bad choices in life, it affected everyone around him. And people that we know make bad choices, and affects us as well. We don't want those kind of troubles, do we? We don't want those kind of problems, but they come our way. Yes, my friends, we live in a sin-cursed world, and that's just the way it is. I mean, we're looking for the sweet by and by, right? <laughs> we're looking for the Lord to come back and bring it all to an end. But we're here. So how can we overcome some of the problems that we have here. In Psalm 34, follow with me as I read these, these scriptures in verse 1 through 3. Now, I'm reading from the NIV. You may have a different translation, probably the, NIV, or the English version, but here's what Psalm 34 says. I will extol the Lord at all times, good times as well as bad times, and his praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. So glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So one of the best ways to deal with our troubles of life family troubles, marriage problems, work problems, all kinds of problems that come our way, troubles that come our way. The Lord is, David is saying to us, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit is saying to us, take your mind off your troubles. Take your mind off yourself, me, myself, and I, thinking and believing, and just praise the name of the Lord. Does that make sense? Praise the name of the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. Do you know who he is? He's God. The Hebrew word is Elohim. He's God. He's the almighty one. And I call him the almighty breathing one. When it was just the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, at creation, the point of creation, he brought the whole vast universe into existence just by a, <laughs> a simple breath. The almighty breathing one is there to help us in the midst of our troubles. I was sharing a message in Genesis 1 with one of the churches up in Vancouver, PCA Church, Westminster Church. And I was preaching on Genesis 1.1. And an elder came to me and said, you know, 
What you talked about as God, the breathing one of, of the whole vast universe, boy, that got to my son, and I, he just couldn't get, get, he just didn't really understand all that was going on. He was just saying, Dad, is that really true? That God just, the breathe the universe into existence? He said, when is that breathing pastor coming back again? <laughs> yes, the one who did the whole universe. A hundred billion, maybe a trillion galaxies into existence. Just a Can he handle our problems? Can he help us with our troubles? Amen. He can. But he's not just Elohim. He's Yahweh. He's the Lord. You see the word Lord here. I will exalt the Lord forever. And the word Lord is Yahweh, the eternal being one, the one who always was before the breath of creation, the one who is since the breath of creation to the coming consummation, and after that, the one who always will be, the eternal being one. That's how the Lord God has revealed himself to all humanity. Every son of Adam, every daughter of Eve knows God as Yahweh, Elohim, Lord God. The one who always was and is and always will be. But you know what he, what he is to us? I am that I am the Lord your God. I love you. I love you with an infinite, eternal love. I'm the Lord, your God. What a difference. You think about that. His love for us is based on his eternal character. I was sharing this up at Warm Springs when I was with my friend Josh, Joash. We were talking about this. I said, I want you to think about this. The God's love for you never began. It always was. Think about that. And the Lord God who always was in love with you, always will be in love with you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, absolutely nothing. So the one who always loves us will always love us and is loving us even to this very day. Do you know how he proved his love toward you? Romans 5, 8 said it this way. God proved his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. And Paul says at the end of his life, I'm the chief of sinners. Christ came to die for us. Look at that cross back there. Isn't that beautiful? God proved his love toward us today. For you. While you're a sinner. Christ loved you and died for you. Hebrews says it this way, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. What was the joy that Jesus had when he was dying on this cruel cross? It was us. He was thinking about us, how much he loved us. And the Father in heaven, it pleased 
the Father in heaven, to crush his son and make his son an offering for our sin so that he could have us for himself forever and forever and forever. Huh. What love. Can such a one handle our troubles and our problems of life, whatever they may be? Yeah. And then he rose from the grave thinking about us. And you know what Zephaniah says that the Lord is doing right now? He is singing love songs over us right here and now. Love songs. And not just that, when we end this service, we talk about God's face shining upon us. Oh, See that face of love this morning just shining on us. And then here in your mind, the Lord Jesus Christ praying joyful love prayers for you and myself. I'm confident right now that Jesus is in heaven praying for us right now as I'm sharing the word. I'm giving it and you're receiving it. I'm confident that he's praying for us. Joyful love prayers. Isn't that beautiful? And then he's with his father and he says, Father, is it time to get my bride? I want my bride to be with me forever, Lord. And it could happen by death. Or it could happen by the, the second coming of Christ. My friends, we are loved. I am that I am the Lord your God. I'm not just the Lord God, the Almighty breathing one, the eternal being one. I have an eternal, infinite eternal love for you as you face your problems and troubles of life. Oh, get a hold of that. Let us praise his name huh? forever. Right now, in the good times as well as the bad times. That's the first point. <laughs> praise the name of the Lord. But then look at chapter 34, verse 4 with me. What's it say? I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Then verse 6. This poor man called and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. And then verse 17 through 19. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them and delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Almighty Breathing One, the Eternal Being One that is, has an eternal, infinite eternal love for us, will come to us and deliver us when we have desperate faith. When we call, when we cry out, when we say, I seek you, Lord. I can't handle this, Lord. I seek you, Lord. Please, please, please come and help. What does God have to do to bring us to the place of desperate faith? For Samson, he had to have his eyes gouged out and become a slave among the Philistines. And then he cried out, oh God, give me power, give me, give me faith. And God gave him strength again and he brought the house down. <laughs> if you know that story about Samson. 
What does God have to do to bring us to the place? The Lord our God, the Almighty breathing, breathing one. What does he have to do to bring us to the place where we cry out to him in the midst of our troubles? Desperate faith. Desperate faith. I'll tell you about one experience I had. Carol and I were coming back from the East Coast, which we've been many trouble times there, and we were going to go through Wyoming, the, the Bighorn Mountains. And then we found ourselves going through Yellowstone National Park and down to the Grand Tetons. And we had been here before, but there was a place called Jenny Lake. And you could sit there at Jenny Lake and you could just drink it all in. I mean, ooh, wow, beautiful place. We were just resting and, and enjoying that. And I got a phone call. It's my dad. David. You got to come to Florida. Please come. Help me out. I said, well, what's the problem, Dad? Your, uh, your brother is in jail. And, and I don't know how to handle this. In jail? Well, why is he in jail, Dad? Oh, I, I can't tell you right now. It's just, it's just a burden in my heart. I can't do it. I can't talk to you right now. Just plan to come. I need you, David. And so I rushed home and got a ticket and went to Florida. When Dad picked me up at the airport, I said, well, why is Ken in jail? Stupid, stupid thing. The police were chasing him because he had a broken taillight and they couldn't catch him. Broken taillight. And he pulled into his apartment complex and the police went over to him and said, would you please open the window? I want to talk with you. And he wouldn't open his window. And so he went, the police went back to the back of the car and was taking his license plate. And for whatever reason, he backed up and almost hit the police. And the police came and put him in jail right away. And that's where he is. Stupid choice. Ken? But look what you're doing with our dad. I went to see Ken, and he said, you got to get me out of jail, David. Put the house, God, the dad's house up for bail. I can't do that, Ken. That night, the water heater broke in his house. And water is all over the Lanai at this manufactured home. And so I know a friend of his that is a plumber, and he comes and he fixes, fixes it. Everything's fine now. The next night, I wake up suddenly at night, and the alarm is going off. The fire alarm is going off. And I opened the door to see what's happening. And there's fire out there in the lanai. I could see the fire. And so I went to that dad's room and I got him and I, I said, Dad, you got to come with me. Get on the floor, Dad. we gotta, we got to get out of your house. Your house is burning down, Dad. And he was, he was behind me and we're crawling out to the door. And we come to the front door. It's a sliding glass door. And it won't open. And the house is being filled with smoke. And I see the flames coming. I'm saying, oh, Lord, help. What, what, 
oh, that's right, he puts a bar in there. <laughs> and, and so so I got to get that bar out of there. I get the bar out of there. I open up the door, smoke is pouring out, and oh, I said, let's get out of here, Dad. And I look behind me, he's no longer there. He went back to his room trying to change his pajamas. And I don't know how I did it, but I ran back there through the smoke, and I picked up fireman and carry, and I took him out of the house. And then I got desperate faith. Lord! And his house burned down to the ground. Lord! My brother's in jail, and Dad has no house. What are you going to do, Lord? Please help us. Know what the Lord did? The Lord showed me a friend of his that had a house to rent, fully furnished. Two houses from his home. Thank you, Lord. Dad has a place to live. Now I got to take care of the old house is burned down. Nothing left of it. So he has another friend I know. I go to him and I said, "Could you help us out?" The insurance will take care of this. I found that out. And so he pulled his people off the job and came over to our house and he just took everything away, everything away, and it's gone. And even to this day, in all of landmark estates with all those manufactured homes, the only place where there's not a house is that that property right there. He just took it all away. Thank you, Lord. And then we had a police friend that got my, my, my brother out of jail. I remember calling Carol at that time and I was hysterical. I didn't know what to do. But the Lord did. But he's waiting for me to get the desperate faith time. What does God have to do to bring us to desperate faith? The Almighty breathing on the eternal being has an eternal love for us. He's just waiting for us to cry out, call out. And seek him. And he will come. And deliver us. From all of our troubles and fears. Then look at the third point. The goodness of God. 34 verse 8. Taste and see. That the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman. Who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The psalmist says that the Lord is good and his love endures and for forever. And I love that word endures. He endures with us. His love endures for us. But I want to share another thought here. Go to Romans chapter 8, 28. What's it say? We know that God works all things out together in our life for good to those who are lovers of God and are called according to his purpose. Do not ever read verse 28 
without verse 29. Because here's the purpose. For those that he loved beforehand with eternal love, he predestined that we be conformed to the image of his son. Do you know what the all things are there in Romans 8? Trouble. Distress. Distress is the inward feelings that we have when we face troubles of all kinds. Persecution. Famine. The loss of food. The loss of shelter. As what's happening in Maui right now as I'm speaking here. Loss of homes. Loss of family. Burned up. Believer and unbeliever. And Paul says, God the Father is working. The idea, he is energi- the Father is energizing himself, causing all these things to work together for one particular purpose, that we be conformed to the image of Christ. I have a message I preach, it's called the predestined puzzle. Every man and woman has a puzzle in life. And the unbelieving world is taking the pieces of their puzzle, the good things, the bad things, and they're trying to put together all these pieces of puzzle. And it doesn't fit. And they're frustrated. And they pound this in and pound this in. It doesn't work. Nothing works. You know why it doesn't work? Because their life is all about themselves and what they do in life. But our puzzle is predestined. Our Father in heaven is taking all the pieces of our puzzle of life, the good things, the bad things, and he's energizing himself, putting all these, all things, trouble as well, and putting them together in our puzzle. So at the end of life, he doesn't see us. He sees his son. And what is son? has come to do for us. Life is not about us. Life is not about what we do, even for the Lord. Life is only about one thing, that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, will be praised, and the Father will see our piece, our our puzzle, at the end of life, and he will see not us, he will see only his Son, and his Son will be praised and glorified. Taste and see the Lord is good. (laughs) Does that make sense? It's hard for us, even as believers, to understand that. But it's true. It's really true. All things do work together for good. And then the next point is fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. You, his saints, for those who fear him, lack nothing. The shepherd's psalm said this way, the Lord's our shepherd, we lack nothing. Fear the Lord. Now, this fear is not a fear of phobia. We don't run from the Lord. We run to the Lord. Because how awesome he is. I mean, the almighty breathing one, the eternal being one, always was, is, and always will be in love with us. 
we are commanded here to fear the Lord is to run into his loving arms. Whatever the problems of life may be in your life, just run into his loving arms. That's what it means to fear the Lord. Because we have an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. When you read Ephesians 1 about all of what God has done to us, chosen for us, he's chosen us, he's predestined us, he redeemed us, he purchased us, he saved us, he forgave us, he sealed us with the Spirit, then you run to 1 Peter chapter 1 with all these believers being persecuted under Nero's realm. He says, praise be to God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. He's begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead to an inheritance reserved in heaven for us. It's coming. The sweet by and by is coming. Ephesians 1 to 1 Peter 1. Beautiful. So what's, what do we do until the, until the time that we go to be with the Lord and the sweet by and by? Live into this nasty now and now. Now look with me to verse 12. Whoever, you lo- whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. In the midst of your trouble, watch what you say. I got a problem with my tongue when I watch the news today. <laughs> and all this going on in the news today. And I don't want to say some things I shouldn't say. <laughs> Am I the only one? <laughs> I don't think so. I see a lot of people kind of laughing. But until we're with the Lord, what's it say? Turn from evil and just do good. Just do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Just do good. So when you have your troubles of life, just praise the name of the Lord, your God. Just praise him because of who he is and what he's done for you. With desperate faith, knowing that all those pieces of puzzle are for your good, not for yourself, but for the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ, and run to his loving arms to fear the Lord and just do good. Let your light shine before men that may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Wow. Just do good. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, you are the Lord our God, and we do praise your holy name. Almighty breathing one, you keep us alive with your breath, because in him we live and move and have our being. Thank you, Lord, for breath. Lord, help us to taste and see that you are so good, and that life is not about us, Lord, it's all about your son, and we are being conformed constantly to the image of your son through all the troubles of life. 
The unbelieving world has no understanding of that, Lord. And we try to understand it. We have a hard time as believers trying to understand it, but it's true. We do have a predestined life at the end of life. Oh, Lord, help us to run to you. I don't know what the troubles are in this congregation right now, but there's some. Health-wise, money-wise, relationship-wise. Lord, thank you that you are the Lord our God. Would you bless us with your word this day? In your precious and your holy name we pray. Amen.